It's amazing today to think about how God writes us into his story. Does anybody have Instagram crazy people in your family? Like, you know, they just, it's just like, if we're doing it, it's going on Instagram, like, right now. Anybody got anyone in your family like that? Anybody got Insta story or Insta story video people in your family? Like, we're going to, and, and you think they're taking a picture, but they're taking a video. Have you ever been in that moment? Like, you were, like, posing, like, yeah, great, awesome, you're taking a picture again, and then you're like, you're taking a video, and you try to reach for the camera, but it's too late, and now all this is documented, including you saying, oh, it's a video, and trying to get the camera, and now the world gets to see what you didn't want them to see, and your reaction to what you didn't want them to see. Does anybody live in this world? And it, it's crazy sometimes to think that just instantaneously somebody is documenting for posterity's sake, because all this stuff you know, go somewhere. They're like, no, your Insta story video is only up for 24 hours. No, it, it's gone somewhere into the cloud to be enshrined into forever. And the kingdom is like that. We, we think we're just sitting in, in church today, but God is documenting a story right now. We think I'm just driving to work. We're just uh, making a decision. We're, we're praying over our above and beyond giving. And, oh, you're going to take a picture of us while we're on the way to work right now? I, I really didn't want a picture on the way to work right now because I, I don't like what I'm wearing today or I didn't get to shower or, you know, this, can, can we take a picture later? I wasn't ready for a photo on the way to work. And then you realize, oh, oh, it's a video. Every moment of the story right now is a God story unfolding around us. We are in a living story that is being documented, not so that people who know you and don't know you can scroll through and comment on your life, but so that at the end of the day, God can show all of humanity how from the beginning to the end, he has woven all of us into a redemption story that's changing earth and shaping eternity. And everything we do and have and are is in that story. And every day we make decisions that either write us into the story of God or write us out of the story of God. But first we gotta realize it's a video. It's a real story. It really is happening. Things really do matter. It really depends on whether I prayed or I didn't pray. My prayer makes a difference. My giving makes a difference. Whether I speak to this person today may be the game-changing conversation for them today. It's a video happening. It's not just snapshots of, oh, we went to church, and then we went to school, and then we went to work, and then we went home, and then we worked out, and then we took a nap, and it's just snapshots of life. It really is a God story happening around us. And for me, I think this series has helped me wake up to the reality that there are no minor roles in the story of God. This is a living story and everyone's invited. You are invited into this story. You are in this story right now. It's a video, the camera's rolling right now. That doesn't mean, oh, I should sit up straight or I should do the right thing because this is being documented. No, it means more powerfully than that, that we are invited into something that transcends earth. We're living in two worlds overlapping at one time and we can't lose sight of one for the other. And our lives matter. We've talked over these past few weeks about people whose names weren't that common, 
to a lot of us over the past few weeks who are actually in the Scripture, they're in the forever standing Word of God. And today I want to talk about a few more of those people, but I want to highlight as we close out people of the fine print, some of the ways that we can ensure that we write ourselves into the story by maybe highlighting a few of the reasons why people might write themselves out of the story of God. Because in the text, interestingly, we see both things happen. Our main scripture today is 2 Timothy, the last chapter, chapter 4. This is the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. He's at the very end of his life, an extraordinary life. And he's writing to Timothy, who's going to carry the torch, someone that he's invested heavily in for the future expansion of the church. And Paul writes this beginning in verse 6, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. That phrase in and of itself lets you know that Paul knew that it was a video. He knew that there are two worlds that are intersecting every moment, and there's a, there's a time coming where I have a departure date already set by the hand of God where I will depart this world and enter into the forever world. They're, they're overlapping now, time and forever, but there's a moment coming not where I depart forever into time, but where I depart time into forever. And if you think somehow that it's the other way around, then you miss out on the opportunity to be written into the story of God. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. It's a video. <laughs> and people who are in the video, knowing it's a video, it's a God story, it's not just an earth moment, it's a God story, it's not just my life, it's his story, it's not just a series of snapshots of all the cool things we did on earth, it's a God story, a redemption story, a salvation story, a restoration story, it's a heaven story, it's a Jesus story for crying out loud, and we're in it. He said, and at the end of it, it's possible that you could make the decisions to receive a crown called the crown of righteousness at the end of this story. And Paul said, not just for me, but for every single person who has loved, longed for, looked for, hoped for, banked on the appearing of Jesus, who's banking on a departure date who is absolutely making decisions every day that are nonsensical without a departure date. But with a departure date, they are gold in a bank, in a vault that cannot be stolen or taken away, but only multiply into eternity. 
And so then he comes down to the fine print. It says in my scripture between the verses, personal remarks. And personal remarks means, okay, we're done with 2 Timothy. Go ahead and turn the page and let's go on to Titus and to Philemon and let's move on because who cares about the personal remarks? Very few underlines and highlights usually in the personal remarks, but that's where we're finding our series. Do your best, verse nine, to come to me quickly. So Timothy, my protege, writing to you from the end of the road from prison at the at the very last gap I don't know how much time I have left but I want you to hurry up if you can and get here at the end of the day do your best to come to me quickly for Demas because he loved it this world has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica he names a few other people Christians has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia only Luke is with me so get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry I send Tychicus to Ephesus so when you come bring the cloak that I left with Carpus in Troas and my scrolls especially the parchments and you're like amen thank you for reading that that is so powerful and mysterious and amazing is it on DVD is there a workbook study can I gather my friends around and dive deeper into this text I want to rip this thing up highlight it 15 different ways I got stars in the margin man verses 9 down to verses uh, 12 I mean absolutely revolutionary text right no everybody's like I don't yeah don't yeah don't know those people why wouldn't we be written in to the story of God number one because we mistake visibility with value. We mistake visibility with value, and that's one of the things that's going to keep you from being written in to the story of God. I just looked up today, and the giving container was going down my row to a man in the aisle. When I looked down at the man in the aisle, he, he was the best known, most trusted meteorologist, not weatherman, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. He's very visible. He's on television for crying out loud every day in your home. But there he was at the end of the row gathering the giving container. Oh, that's meteorologist. Today is going to be a cold front coming down from the north and down in Meriwether County there's some thunderstorms emerging and storm watch and there he was just I wonder like where in meteorology school do they teach you how to serve and host and receive the giving I thought that's a pretty low visibility role because no one makes eye contact with the giving container person <laughs> And you know, you did the hand over fist. I know how to do it too. You know, it's like hand the bucket with two hands makes it look like something went in, you know. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Lots of movement. We give online. It should be an option, I don't know. <laughs> Little hand signal, something.
I mean, it's a moment, isn't it? Conviction, it's conviction and judgment and celebration all at once. Because if you're putting something in there, you slow it down easy. Oh, it, I forgot it. It's in my, oh, oh no, it's not in that pocket. Give me, give me a moment. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, thank you so much. I, I, we, we give in every gathering, not because that's a big deal, but because I think it sets an example. It's a pain in the neck. But we, we do it because it, it's an extra step for us to give in every single gathering we're in. And I like the tangibility and the physical nature. And when we have to order checks, I mean, it, it is a, it's a couple of extra steps in life because you don't use checks much. And so we got to order checks simply so typically we can give tangibly here, but I used to kid our team all the time, and so I'd put my giving in, and it could be $10 on the check. You don't know what's written on there, um, but I would always just tilt the bucket, you know, when I put it in and pass it to the next person so they could see what's in there. It's an awkward moment, for sure, <laughs> but there was this door holder right there who, who didn't fall into the trap that visibility and value cancel each other out. So what he says here in verse 11 is pretty powerful. He says, only Luke is with me. Now Luke gets mentioned in several other places in Paul's writing, but here he says, only Luke is still with me. Now when we hear Luke, we're like, okay, that, that rings a bell because we know there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe it's the same Luke. But that's about all we really know. Most people haven't heard a message about Luke. They, they don't know a lot of facts about Luke. But at the end of the day, one of the things we know about Luke is he was the last guy there. Everybody, for whatever reason, had bailed out. But when the chips were down, Luke was still in the story. Now, just to back up a couple of feet to Luke so that we can understand how we can see ourselves in the story of God. Luke was a Greek who most likely came to know the power of Jesus after the death and resurrection of Christ. We know from Paul's writing that he was a physician, so he had a place in prominence in the city that he lived in. And when he came in contact with those who were carrying the story of Jesus, he gravitated to the importance of the mission of the church. Trained as a physician, specialized in a certain field, but now heard the gospel, awakened to the story of God, and realized that this is the moment where the news of Jesus is going to begin to travel through the known world. And Luke said, I want to get in on that journey. And he became a, became a companion of Paul and those who were leading the early church. He, he leaned in toward the ministry. It doesn't mean that he didn't help someone that was sick along the way, that he didn't use that specialized training that he had. In fact, if you read Luke's gospel, it highlights the healing ministry of Jesus more than any of the other four gospels and lowers, um, in one particular case, how doctors look bad in a certain story because he had that lens and he was like, hey, the reason why they didn't get healed, no, it wasn't necessarily doctors. The doctors tried. It was just one of those things that couldn't be cured. But he had a lens. He knew how to show Jesus as 
healer, but he also probably practiced medicine along the way. But with that, he leaned in and said, I want to be a part of what God is doing. He didn't know he was going to write one of the four gospels and the book of Acts. He didn't know he was going to document the birth of Christ and the heavens open and saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among whom God's favor rests. He didn't know he was writing that for every Christmas play that was ever going to happen, every Christmas Eve service that was going to come in the history of Christendom. He didn't know he was writing that kind of gravitas, and he didn't know that he was documenting the history of the church from the first day the Spirit of God came through the expansion of the church in all of the known world. But he was available. And he said, I'm here, and he leaned in. And most people don't even know that Luke wrote Acts. If you took a pop test today and said, who wrote Acts? I bet Paul would be the number one answer. And everywhere he writes, both in his gospel and in Acts, he always uses the collective we. He never mentions his own name, and he never mentions a me. And this guy is a trained specialist who has chosen to lean in to the work of the kingdom of God. He ends up writing 52 chapters of scripture, which is one third of the New Testament, which is the same amount of the New Testament that the apostle Paul wrote. And no one even really knows how prominent he is in the faith that we build our lives on. Because he didn't mistake visibility with value. He said, I want to be in the story because Jesus has changed my life. And because I see the kingdom expanding all around me. And I want to be in that story. Now, as a doctor, this is the cool part, his speciality helped him with details, with observation, with dates with names, with cities, with places, with meetings and connections so that we have a phenomenal documentation of the birth, death, resurrection of Jesus, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the expansion of the New Testament church and a very detailed account of how the gospel spread throughout the world so that our gospel isn't nonsense. It is very much eyewitness dependable because there was a doctor involved in documenting all of what God was doing in this moment. Luke didn't mistake visibility with value. A lot of people say nobody sees this job. This job isn't important. It doesn't get any recognition. I'm in a place where nobody even appreciates what we're doing, so why do that? And people just bolt and write themselves out of the story of God. Who knows what that less visible role is doing for the long-term impact of the kingdom of God. There's a door holder at Passion City Church I love this guy. He's been serving as a door holder for seven years, he and his wife. And um, a lot of times I'll pop in the grove and I'll be back at the front of house booth back there and I'll turn around and uh, this person will be over my shoulder, but he's most often impassioned kids. And if you ever wondered how the words to the songs get on screen and uh, how the text sometimes get on screen, that's a role on a production team here that somebody's following along verse by verse. What if the leader wants to go back to the chorus or back to the other verse or back to this or back to that? This person's got to like on the fly be getting the right words on the screen. If the wrong, wrong words are on the screen, 
train. Worship sometimes is a train wreck. That's a very important role, very less visible. You know these guys and you know this guy and you know that guy and you know that person over there, but very rarely does anybody know that guy, but without that guy, the worship sort of, it, it, it kind of hits a dead end. And oftentimes in Passion Kids, you'll see this person back there running ProPresenter. That's the, the, the software that puts the words on the screen for worship in the pond in Passion Kids. His name is Jeff Rummel, a name that probably a few of you, some people here know, which is great. That's pretty amazing. He's uh, in the Peachtree Corners community group. And uh, there is he and Beth. But Jeff Rummel, who's helping get words on the screen at Passion Kids, teaches in the MBA program at the Emory School of Business. So if you want to get an MBA at Emory, you're going to run into Jeff Rummel at some point. Uh, things like operations management and strategy, decision science and project management, leads MBA intern programs for some of the leading companies in the city of Atlanta, is a genius in organizational management, strategy, and decision-making, but has chosen to take a role that a lot of people would say, look, I teach at Emory Business School. I can't be bothered with running lyrics to worship songs on screens and passion kids. Do you not have a job here for decision science? If you have that role here, I'll do that. And we do, I mean, it's out on Piedmont and uh, you're helping people decide, are you gonna try to turn, take a loop and take a lap and get that last spot? Maybe they'll open the, the lot later, maybe, no, or no, should you go straight to the deck? Should you take a shortcut to the deck? Should you go to Dunkin' Donuts and say, God, we tried, and do we get partial credit for that in heaven? What, what decision should we make as a family right now? See, there's not a, a door holder role every gathering for a decision science strategy expert. So you have to be able to look around and say, God changed my life. Where is a role I can serve? And there is a lot of decision science in making sure those lyrics get up there right. But Jeff Rummel is a beautiful picture of somebody who didn't mistake visibility with value. And he is writing himself into the story of God, not out of the story of God. A second reason why people write themselves out of the story of God is because relational friction becomes a kingdom rift. There's so many people that you run into in life who are not in the God story of the church he's building today because somebody said something, did something, and it just stuck with them. And they said, I'm out. And you say, why aren't you in the story right now? This so-and-so said what they said. We're not talking about theological divergence. We're not talking about ethical problems. We're not talking even about big philosophical differences. We're talking about so-and-so said something and it didn't sit well with me and I haven't been in church for the last 10 years. And because of a little relational friction, they just wrote themselves out of the story of God. I say that because in this story, and it's kind of all in this little paragraph right here, Paul and Barnabas, who led the first missionary journey, we talked about that, separated and parted ways. And they did it over John Mark, who started with them on the first journey, but as they got going, flaked out, and went back to Jerusalem. Now, the reason might, may have been, there's a lot of you know, 
conjecture as to why John Mark bailed on them, but it, but it could have been that Paul was opening the way too far for the Gentiles to come to Christ, bypassing all the Jewish law and system. And John Mark went back to Jerusalem, sort of the headquarters of the expanding new church of Jesus, where the Jewish hub would have been to report that Paul's kind of like stretching this thing a little bit too far for people to come in liberty to Christ. But whatever it was, when they went on the second journey, Barnabas said, let's take John Mark along. And Paul said, no way, he's going with us. He didn't make it last time. He bailed out on us last time. And that friction caused them to part ways. And there were two different ministries that emerged from that. Paul and Silas went one way, and Barnabas and John Mark went another way. And that friction was real. I say that to say if it was real then, it must be real now. And there has to be an extra grace for trusting people, forgiving quickly, hanging in there, getting over it, and saying, you know what, I can overcome this for the sake of the kingdom of God. And if not, definitely stay plugged in somewhere in the ministry, in the work of the gospel. So that would be my net net. Obviously, best case scenario, relationships would be mended and that ultimately did happen between Barnabas and Paul. We see that in the letter to the Corinthians, but uh, if not that, then at least move on somewhere else and plug in somewhere else and joyfully serve somewhere else and champion the kingdom somewhere else. Don't get put on the sideline because of a relational rift that happened in your life. It's a possibility and it's how a lot of people write themselves out of the story of God. A third way we write ourselves out of the story of God and maybe one of the saddest verses in the New Testament is that we lose sight of the ultimate because of the lure or the allure of the immediate. It's right here in verse 10, a staggering verse. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. What a staggering thought. You read in Philemon, you read in Colossians, and you see Demas written into the story. He's right here. He's a trusted brother. He's a fellow servant. He's, he's, he's part of the mission. Imagine if you could zoom out and see history and eternity and go, what's going on here? I'm a co-worker with the Apostle Paul. I'm in it with the Apostle Paul. I'm right here with him. We're writing history. We are literally writing the Bible. We are literally building the church of Jesus Christ from the ground floor up. And I have a front row seat, a partnership stake in what God is doing in the world. This is first ownership. This is the initial IPO. I got the stock at the lowest price. This is the best case scenario for future investment. This is an amazing opportunity. But at some point, he doesn't see that. He doesn't know this video. He doesn't really understand what's happening. He doesn't get the departure date somehow. In Thessalonica, when they came through there together, and they had, when they planted a church there together, and they had, when they saw this crossroads city and the, and the importance of it, the vibrancy of it, all the life and the party that was going on in Thessalonica, a seed got planted in Demas's mind. And now, at this stage of the journey, Nero is in power. He's persecuting Christians everywhere. The heat has been turned up, and he remembers something he saw, someone he met, or something he heard in Thessalonica, and he said, man, this has been great, but I'm out. 
and the allure of the immediate blinded him from the reality of the ultimate. And he quit on Paul. And he ran after this world. And I think when we lose sight of the ultimate for the immediate, we, we either quit, but almost worse, if I can say it, we sit. Oh, I'm still here, but I'm just sitting here. My, my investment isn't here. My, my energy isn't here. My, my gifts really aren't here. My service isn't here. My, my heart really isn't here. I haven't, I haven't really like walked away and quit, but I, I've just kind of chosen to sit. And I, I pray for all of us that God would help continually peel back the layers for us to see the ultimate. Fourth reason why people bail is because we believe our past failures will disqualify us from future purpose. But I want to remind you what it says here. Only Luke is with me. So get Mark, that's the same Mark, and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Isn't that beautiful (laughs) that we got that written into the story? Dude bailed on us. But God brought him back and brought us back. And you may have bailed on God somewhere along the way, bailed on the mission, bailed on the cause. You may have bailed and gone to Thessalonica, but you know what? Today could be your welcome home day, welcome back day. God putting you back in the story again. A lot of people, I believe, are on the sideline, not because God told them to go stand on the sideline, but because they made some mistakes in their past, and the enemy has convinced them that all they'll ever do is stand on the sideline. And God is saying, no, I'd like to put you back in the game. I'd like to put you back in the story. I'd like to put you back in the mission. Welcome back in the grace of God. And then lastly, I think a lot of us write ourselves out of the story of God because we feel like because we can't do everything, we end up not doing anything. You know, to get Cumberland, phase one, Cumberland, you saw if you were here a few weeks ago in the video that we did, we're building a small auditorium, sort of like North Atlanta high school size, just something we don't have to rent, something that's on our own property. We're refurbing the inside of the existing building for Passion Kids in Bloom, connecting it to a phase one auditorium that'll hold around a thousand people. But to do that, we've got to disturb dirt, we've got to put desail lanes in a road, we've got to create water retention and detention, we've got to create a sewer system that doesn't exist. We've got to spend millions of dollars just on property improvement. And to get all the way to there, it's going to cost us, we don't know a final number yet, something like probably what we've invested in this building, which over time, just in the refurbishment of this, building out the offices and all the AV, everything that's in this building ended up over time costing us somewhere between 18 and $20 million just to turn a warehouse into a place people can come and worship. That's not counting buying the 17 acres of property. That's just investing in the building. And to get into Cumberland, that phase one is going to cost us something like that. Somewhere around $20 million probably. And we would like to start on it right now. We, we would like to fine-tune our plans 
start digging around in the dirt and maybe within a year be able or so 18 months be able to move out of North Atlanta High School stop renting and start owning because we have 10 acres that we bought at Cumberland and I think when people hear that there's always a tendency to say you know Louis honestly we, we can do $187. That's what we have come up with. And that to us is like huge faith in God. And what's $187 in a $20 million phase one? Add to that Ben and Donna getting launched in D.C. Add to that we want to give to local and global causes. Add to that we want to keep things rolling strong here. And add to that we don't even know what the next thing's going to be that's going to come on the radar this year. $187, Louis, it, it, it doesn't hardly pay the gas for the shuttles today. What difference does it make? And I think sometimes, with it, whether it's our prayers or our showing up on our data door hold or our opportunity to reach out to a friend we think it's just it's such a little thing how how would it even matter and i love that at the end of this little paragraph in the bible salvation redemption jesus theology heaven it's all in here but also in here is this I sent Tychicus to Ephesus, so Timothy, when you come, could you bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas? That's in the Bible. The Holy Spirit took some of the words, the forever sealed words that are written in the word of Almighty God and used them to write this sentence. Couldn't that have been like an adjunct little separate letter? Here's the letter, and then, oh, by the way, here's a post-it note. Can you just give him this as well? Because I need my coat. No, the Holy Spirit said, no, put that in. Why? Because I want people to know that even when you can't do everything, the anything that you can do is a significant thing in the grand story of what God is doing. And maybe what you're gonna do is to bring the cloak (laughs) that Paul left in Troas. And I'm telling you, if you're in the wintertime in prison at the end of your life, you need the cloak. I don't have the cloak, but we can do 100 grand. Great. Can you get the cloak also? Because I, I, I really need the cloak. And, and, and the scrolls. Please get the scrolls. And please, whatever you do, please, 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 please get the parchments. Because this is the word of God. And Timothy, protege, going to carry the torch. He's going to blaze the trail. He's the guy. He's the next guy. Hi, coat, 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 carpus, coat, coat. I need the coat. Thank you. What? Are you the coat carrier? Yes. Who's got the parchments? Thank you. Thank you. Can I get those? Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Cloak, parchment, scrolls, scrolls. Who's got the scrolls? Scrolls, scrolls. Great. What, what, what are you, the water boy? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, this is a video. Did you know that? This is a video. And in the video, cloak. I got Paul's cloak right here. This is what he really needs to make it this winter. It's a coat. And God wrote a coat 
in the story of forever. Don't ever think that because you can't do everything, what difference does it make if you do anything? Your anything might be somebody else's everything. Bring what you have. Do what you can. Lean in where you are and write yourself into the story of God.